0: Off The Ball. It's not okay for him to be fine in a test match like that. It's a fulcrum position where everything runs through 9 and 10. You don't get to be fine in, in matches like that where you start.
1: Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.
2: Off The Ball daily. Welcome along to Tuesday's Off the Ball. We've got a great show ahead between now and ten. Brian O'Driscoll will be chatting about Josh van der Flair being named as the World Player of the Year, just the third ever Irishman to do so, and Brian's disappointment himself about not winning the prize during his career. Marcelo Moura y on Saudi Arabia's shock victory against Argentina. As you've heard in the news, they've been given a day's holiday, as a public holiday tomorrow, after that win, just the third ever victory for Saudi Arabia at the World Cup, and the most significant for them. It is a very poor start for Leo Messi's team in their bid to win the World Cup for the first time since nineteen eighty six. Matt Slater will also have the latest from the ground in Qatar. Charlotte Dunker will join us later this hour about Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Manchester United. Your views are always welcome, five three one oh six or you can tweet us at off the ball. Got Mick here with me. How you getting on, Mick?
0: How are you, Will?
2: A little bit calmer tonight after last night's escapades
1: A little bit calmer, yeah Well, I've been trying to enjoy the World Cup, basically, Will Because I was told, the powers that be and off the ball mm. uh, Told me, you know, that if I didn't uh, start behaving myself And being a little bit less angry That I might get one less minute on the news round So with consequences like that I just thought I have to, you know, just toe the line, really And, uh, you know, every, all, all, uh, all opinions and everything like that All stances out the window Well, This is real consequences
2: it is, it feels like we've stepped into our DeLorean though, given the top 3 stories tonight. Cristiano, Leo Messi, Roy Keane. <laughs> is this go, 2009?
1: Yeah. Will it ever change? Hmm. You know, we're just like oh, Ronaldo, you know, he's in his he's in his final days. Uh Leo Messi, you know, not not much left in the tank there. Roy Keane, I'm not surprised about. We're never going <laughs> to Roy Keane's always going to have a say in uh the news uh, agenda of the day for sure. But uh yeah, no, it's going it just feels like it's just going to be Messi and Ronaldo till the end of days but yeah. interesting in both ways though like, like Argentina that's like one of the biggest World Cup shocks of all time and that Ronaldo news just came out of the blue we were in the office sort of kind of calmly heading towards the show like, you know World, Co- World Cup know, and Brian France O'Driscoll Australia. nice yeah. good shows to come and all of a sudden it's like whoa they did it mutually a, cut ties.
2: A little bit quicker than we expected. We heard appropriate steps was the line in the short statement Manchester United put out on Friday. Those appropriate steps took what, about three days before there was an agreement to rip up the contract. Like, is this Cristiano Ronaldo getting exactly what he wanted though when he did
1: the interview Appears. Yeah, he totally set the wheels in motion for this. But United can't be I don't know. Like, I was talking about, like, should United be vindictive, kind of half-facetiously, but also... his contract you know, by a year. There's a the, the vindictive side of me as well that thinks that. But in reality, this is what United need. They need to cut ties with this guy. So it's an everybody wins situation. Uh, but Ronaldo forced a hand. I mean, there was no coming back from what he did. So you're right. He is getting exactly what he wants. But be interested to see what the compensation is. And... We, we might never know and I suppose it doesn't matter really you know we worry a little bit about the business of football too much sometimes but uh, Ronaldo gone and United certainly better off for it like,
2: yeah I have both statements open in front of me I think the most important line in the Manchester United statement is the third and final one where they say quote everyone at Manchester United remains focused on continuing the team's progress under Eric Ten Hag and working together to deliver success on the pitch end quote that is pretty much the message United have been sending out all season about Ronaldo
1: yeah, absolutely. So, is it done? Is there is there much more to say?
2: I don't know. It depends where he goes. We've got Richie McCormick with as well. Richie, how are you getting
0: on? Where will he go? That's the question, I think. And like, I'd imagine he probably has somewhere in his head because the, like, if you just kind of zoom out, the whole thing about this Ronaldo interview was clearly to engineer a move on his own terms in January. So he didn't want, similar to what happened in the summer, whereby he made it clear that he wanted to leave but United were still going to be the architects of wherever he ended up, and they'd be the ones that are leading the discussions there. Whereas he wants to do this all on his own, and he's now in a position to do that. And I think he probably knew that going nuclear and dumping on all and sundry around the club was probably his only and best way of, of achieving that. I don't think he cares much about his uh, his uh, what's the word his legacy or whatever else at this stage. I think his um, his stats will be something he'll always lean upon. Yeah, uh, but as a person, uh, negligible. I think it, I think everybody can agree, and that's without even bringing uh, other dramas into it.
2: Right, let's throw it out there. Where could he potentially go, Mick? He referenced two clubs last week with Piers Morgan, Napoli and Sporting Club Portugal, who were the two clubs that he was heavily linked with during the summer. So he's kept the door open to both of them by mentioning it. And to me, Chelsea
1: seems the fit. No. Need because Bowley, strike? you think Bowley wants him? I think Chelsea wants him. During the summer, I think Thomas Tuchel didn't want him. He wanted the Bamian slap in the face to Graham Potter if they go and give him the headache of Cristiano Ronaldo for the rest of the year. I don't. I don't think so.
2: No. doesn't have a goal score You got Ronaldo even last year, even with his immobility up front, even with the fact that he won't press in the same way that perhaps you would want him in a Ten Hag system.
1: He'd score goals for Chelsea. He wouldn't. He's finished. Like, is that, not, is that not obvious to anyone? Like, he might be score goals, whatever. But, like, as, a, as, a, as an asset in a winning world-class team, he's finished. He has to accept that. I wonder behind all the bluster, does he actually accept no. that? Or is he heading he, towards accepting it?
0: He, he, he absolutely doesn't accept it. I think that's, that's clearly evident from everything that he's done in the past uh, 12 months. That he thinks he is still the man. And he still thinks he's the best player in world football. He still thinks he's on a level with uh, with people like Kylian Mbappe. And he's, oh. he's just not. He's just not. Australia have taken the lead. Australia Seeds. Wow.
2: <laughs> so we had Didier Deschamps for the last four years plus being accused of being too conservative as a manager, was always safety first, even in 2018 when they won the World Cup. He's gone out with a four two four this evening, all of his attackers out to beat the Socceroos. And Mick, we've got a goal which has just gone in against the runner of play. We finish
1: yeah, against the run of play, but it's been, I don't know, if, richie if you've seen a bit more of this than I have, but it's been been—it's been yeah. quite open, and like, we were having discussions in the office, Stephen Doyle was talking about like this being the worst Australian team of a generation, that they have two centre-halves from Hearts, who aren't necessarily even on the Hearts team, and they're up against Mbappe and these guys, but Australia do have that sort of ability, we used to talk about in the Ireland, of just sort of raising it for, they're always a good together team, they play a lot of games as well, in, in in Asia I, This is a Great start Good we're goal Weren't
2: okay. particularly good At the last Asian Cup But it's a wonderful finish By Goodwin Who comes in At the back post Has timed his run quite well And then lofts the ball over Hugo Lloris Into the top of the net So Australia yeah, France were
1: wide there. open there As well Like I mean Alluding to what you were saying About their formation Like they were completely Stretched there
0: Yeah Hernandez pretty much Injured himself Watching a replay here In, in going down to To try and Stop the cross From coming across But it's a great finish they are shocked. And, yeah, phenomenal stuff. Like, we have to... There is the caveat that that France squad is decimated by injury. And you can't be, you know, calling yourself one of the best teams in the world if you have Adrian Rabio still starting in your midfield, which they do tonight. Um, Like, one of the most charmed men in world football for being bang average and yet at the centre of absolutely everything from major, major sides. Um, but they could have a difficult, beyond today, they could have a, a pretty difficult World Cup France because I just don't think that the players that they've lost through injury have been backed up with what they brought with them uh, to Qatar and this could probably get even worse now if they've got another injury.
2: Yeah, Theo Hernandez has gone down in quite a bit of pain. He was initially trying to make that block. It looked like his uh, right foot just locked up as he was trying to plant it into the ground. So he's getting medical treatment at the moment. That'll be a blow if they lose their left back this early in the game. And midfield has been an issue. He's been left with a lot of ground to cover during this game. And now Australia have got something to hold on to. As I mentioned, they weren't great at the Asian Cup, but then again, neither was Saudi Arabia and they beat Argentina today.
1: Yeah. And uh, didn't Qatar win that Asian Cup? They yeah. did,
2: and uh, yeah. looked reasonably impressive during it too. With uh, Korea um, and
1: Japan also coming up short. Just for people, it's uh, Lucas Hernandez. The T.O. is on. It's the other Hernandez ah. on the on the um, on the French team. But I think your point will about Deschamps being naturally conservative. Just looking through their team and their squad here, you almost have to play for attacking players because it's kind of all they have. You know, it's like we almost need to go and blitz teams with. Dembele, Griezmann, uh, Mbappe, and uh, Giroud tonight. But obviously, they the were hoping side. that that was going to be Benzema, mm-hmm. and uh, because yeah, you can't rely on that midfield, Richard.
0: Yeah, I I, I saw that the other week when they brought out the squad, and it was it was glaring at me from that kind of like Gendouzi is on the bench. The like, and, and and to be fair to Gendouzi, like he's he's a decent midfielder, but decent is about it. And if you're looking to go and retain a World Cup. You want better than decent in your midfield. And again, hamstrung by injuries, loads of players missing, etc, etc. Paul Pogba being one of those. And we can debate him till the cows come home, but he's always performed for France, particularly at this uh, level. So if you're missing players of that calibre and you're replacing them with your Matteo Genduzzi's and Adrian Rabios of this world, um, as a ski instructor from South Park would famously say, you're going to have a bad time.
1: For sure. Yeah, well look, Kante and Pogba were
2: oh. completely crucial in Russia four years
1: ago. Oh, Kante, awesome. Jesus, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they're picking their best centre halves either. Like, I mean, are they? I'm looking at the bench. They've got, Varane, uh, Kounde, Fafat. No, no and a different. Kounde aren't hundred percent fit. Um, That's the problem. Yeah, I'm missing someone else there as well. Sorry, I've, uh, I've gone for Canada and Open McCann. Oh, Saliba. Yeah, cool.
2: yeah Saliba's been yeah. brilliant so far you for know? Arsenal. Yeah. Um, A richness of options, but not a richness of options in midfield. And the Socceroos, True Goodwin, lead by one goal to nil early on. Um, Saudi Arabia, Mick, what a story against Argentina earlier today. Um, Two nil-nils were pretty forgettable, with the exception of the Lewandowski miss for Poland from the penalty spot. But um, Argentina reminds you of 1990. Uh, I couldn't remember the goalkeeper who had uh, lost the ball in the crappy quiz last week. Gary Pompidou. They lost one nil against uh, Cameroon. And they bounced back up to the final that year. Um, Italy lost the first game got to the fund in 94 Spain won the World Cup after losing to Switzerland in 2010 so it's not necessarily terminal to lose your first game but Argentina are now up against it
1: uh, yeah definitely oh it's not terminal I would still like if you were to have a bet now you'd probably bet on Argentina to still get out of that group but it's just it was a disaster performance so like Saudi Arabia were brilliant and we should caveat everything we say about Argentina in that that was class that was that that was a a proper World Cup underdog performance that you love to see, what we're possibly going to see from Australia tonight. We'll see. It's a long way to go in that game. Brave with it man, as well.
0: I don't think... Oh, that, they, that they
1: really were. Yeah, they kept even. going, that didn't they?
0: Brave. Was it wasn't even that they kept going. They kept playing this high line that caught them out, obviously, in technical terms, those two goals that were disallowed in the first half. But they stuck with it. And the consequence of that was to squeeze uh, what was a pretty unimpressive Argentine midfield and with that they were able to create their own chances Like Saudi, and that was from minute one to minute 90 plus yeah. like they were fantastic yeah. and the effort they put in from, from the, whole, the whole game and the bravery to stick to their plan throughout as well and know that they could pick up a result even bo- despite falling behind against a team uh, with the players of the calibre that Argentina have just a remarkable achievement and I don't think that should be undersold at all and I don't think even just because of true familiarity that Argentina should dominate the, the conversation
1: that Saudi Arabia were brilliant yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, they, they. I, uh, I, I just, I just think we've all our lives we've been watching teams, most of the time from the country that we're from, just like going ahead and then, just sitting further and further back and just not. Playing, you know, put it, continuing what put them in the position in the first place. And it's just, it's such a natural thing to do. It takes so much discipline and effort and consciousness to uh, continue to play in the way you have that's got you into that position. And they did, and fair play to them. Argentina, to me, as the game went on and we had more ridiculous amounts of injury time and so on, looked less and less like scoring. You know, uh, Messi was like. You could see that if he had players around him, he was in. He is in that kind of like looking for true balls, and some of them almost came off. And he was about to have a shot, and it was an incredible tackle from a Saudi defender that just timed it absolutely perfectly, just took it off his toe. Um, but other than that, like not really in it. Di Maria, his usual World Cup performance, I would say, uh, on a lot of ball, doing absolutely nothing with us. And Argentina didn't look that impressive to me, Richie. I know we want. To, I, you're right to talk about Saudi Arabia, but and look, chances are they'll turn it around. And these teams haven't had very much time together. But this didn't look like this like a vaunted Argentina team that were gonna go and win the World Cup. It could happen, but they didn't look any different than the Argentina teams we're used to seeing for the last few years. yeah we lost oh, Ritchie we lost
2: Ritchie yeah well look we'll talk to Marcel about that in a lot more detail a little bit later on in the programme because uh, I would never thought I'd say this but Giovanni Lo Celso was a player who looked like a big loss we've talked about some of the players who were out like Sadio Mane and Karim Benzema but Los Celso was so important for Argentina in winning the Copa America last year and that unbeaten streak which was kind of their shield going into this tournament and the confidence they were deriving from it they hadn't lost a game mix since the 2019 Copa America final against Brazil unbeaten yeah, in 36
1: games I know and like it's a great achievement and it is what it is like but you know it was always with that caveat that we didn't they didn't, like they still haven't played a european team i know that but and it's not as if the the standard in south america would be any worse than that in like it's it, a full qualifying
2: campaign in a difficult It is it, it's
1: very impressive but it is it also isn't you know World beating. It's not something that you're like, God almighty, they went through and they beat the Dutch and they beat the Germans, they beat England and they're just dominating the the game at the moment That they're the team to beat in the World Cup. I just feel like we weren't sure and how it played out was more akin to what we've seen on the world stage from Argentina. Like Even if they won that game, it just was that type of performance that you're kind of, oh, we've seen this and it's going to be, can Messi get himself into the tournament? Mm. Whereas what we've been talking about for the last few weeks is as if they've been, you know, coming to sort of like be, be genuine close test. to favourites at least, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Richie is back with us. Uh, the news round, of course, is brought to you by Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent Mo. You can sign up for Donate now at Movember.com. Richie, before you kick off with Cristiano being your top story, yeah. um, can you think of a couple of players who went to a World Cup without a club? Because I can think of one English and two Irish players here straight away.
0: Oh, there's, there's got to be, there's got to be many. Yeah, because I'm going back to days when I used to actually scrutinise squads player by player. And there would be a lot of, there'd be a lot of unattached. Uh, America was actually really good for that back in the day. Um, back in 1994 in particular, probably 90 more so.
2: But yeah, who were yours? Well, Frank Lampard was without a club 2014. Had just left Chelsea at that stage. Gary Breen in 2002 had just left Coventry. And, and on Tony, way to Inter Milan. yeah, and Tony Cascarino in nineteen ninety four. Don't think he kicked the ball at that World Cup in America, but he that went idea.
0: unattached as well. I think he got on in one of the games, possibly against Norway. Um, uh, maybe nobody'll ever know. Nobody'll ever check that, Richie. It was a glory. No, 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 <laughs> nobody's gone back to check that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and he went on to Marseille. So it's always it's always a good uh, proving ground to go on and get yourself a decent club uh, after the World Cup. But I think know there probably have been a few more mm. in the search.
2: Maybe a shop window for Cristiano Ronaldo.
0: Uh, So we're kicking the news
2: round off. He's leaving Manchester United, Richie.
0: On a jet plane, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving the club with immediate effect. The 37-year-old, of course, strongly criticised the owner's management and some of his Old Trafford teammates during that controversial interview last week on TV. United, who said they were exploring legal action following Ronaldo's comments, have thanked him for his contribution across his two spells, adding that they remain focused on, quote, delivering success on the pitch. And on
2: 53106, they gave Cristiano Ronaldo everything he wanted. They should have made him train with the reserves and run down his contract worth every penny. That comes back to your point about vindictive on this one, Mick. They could yeah. The one-year trigger was even there available. They could have said, hey, let's play out the rest of your career here in the reserves.
1: Being vindictive is very expensive. It is. And also could backfire in that you've got a rather large figure hanging around your club, turning up for work every day, causing disruption. Eric Ten Hag doesn't want any of that nonsense. Uh, This is the best thing that could happen to him. Played it brilliantly, I would say. I don't know if you agree, Richie, but I would say Ten Hag has played this from day one. He didn't want Ronaldo at the club, but I feel like he's the only misstep I would say was putting him back in Giving him that yeah. one more chance as a lead. I don't think he should have ever led United out as a captain again no. after a few, after leaving the stadium and refusing to come on that time. I think that was a mistake, but not a fatal one. And I think I, if I was a United fan, which I'm most certainly not, I'd be delighted with the way that they seem like they have a manager who's properly in control for the first time since 2013.
0: Yeah, captaincy is, is a largely optical thing and it means nothing uh, more often than not in football now these days. But the symbolic nature of sending him out as captain after what he did against Spurs was ludicrous. Um, I don't know. I, like, I would praise Ten Hag in the main for how he's handled it, but I think probably they would have been better off, and I think everybody can see that now, uh, getting rid of him in the summer. like He was making moves to, to want to go. Ten Hag clearly had to be sold on him to some degree to keep him. Ah, I just think it would have suited all parties to have this done six months ago, uh, rather than the ugliness that's gone on in the last week and a half uh, that's precipitated his departure, but he's gone and Ten Hag doesn't have to deal with it anymore. Uh, he'll have a press conference before their first their first game back uh, around Saint Stephen's Day, and that'll probably be the last time he'll be asked about it. And for that alone, I think it's a brilliant decision because he will be no longer dominating conversation around Manchester United. They can finally move on. Off the ball, daily.
2: Yeah, the headline's very much going to be dominated by Saudi Arabia after that fantastic win, Richie.
0: Yeah, Saudi Arabia uh, following that incredible win this morning in Lusail. Uh, despite falling behind to a first-half Lionel Messi penalty, the Saudis came from behind to beat Argentina 2-1 and sit top of Group C tonight. Second-half goals from Saleh al Sheri and Salem al Dawarsi swung the game in their favour. Saudi Arabia manager Erve Renard felt Argentina underestimated his own side.
2: We'll hopefully hear from Bernard in a little bit. Mexico and Poland uh, finishing up goalless in Group C. That was the other game there. Uh, That possibly helps Argentina a little bit there. Um, Save from penalty from Robert Lewandowski in the 58 minutes. Um, He's still without a World Cup goal, Richie. It's incredible,
0: isn't it? Like one of the best strikers of his generation still hasn't scored in the World Cup finals. And it was a poor penalty and it was a handy enough save for Guillermo Ochoa. Uh, but I think what Argentina will probably take uh, heart from, not necessarily the fact that these two teams finished goalless, uh, but that neither of them looked any use. Um, Poland are really you know, negative and, and don't offer much in a World Cup final setting and Mexico aren't much better either. And Argentina should look at that game and think actually, do you know what? We could probably take six points from these last two games and probably finish top of the group uh, between the Jigs and the Reels anyway. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be their hope uh, here, but like Poland and Mexico also rants, I think, is, is what we're looking at in, in that group particularly.
1: Um, There's just a point from a text there, and there was a few mentions of it today as well about like everybody's criticising Qatar, Saudi Arabia is a much uh, much more probably vicious regime, and where's all the praise coming from there? I, I, like, I mean, it shouldn't even need it to be pointed out, but you know, there is a difference between a nation and its nation. supporters, and a nation and its football players who put in an incredible effort, and you know, it is a football fanatical country, and this is exactly. You know they were a massive underdog today and i think it's a it's a good news story and doesn't in any way reflect the saudi arabian regime as it would be by the way if qatar were if this football team were actually any use there would be there would be an element of that whereas like the people who are going to these games and the players like (laughs) i think i think you do stray into a very dangerous territory if you're starting to suggest that you shouldn't like the players on a football team or their supporters because of many of the 32
2: yeah. teams that were out there that were like if uh that's the bar but um yeah i, I think you can certainly make a separation between the supporters who were back into the stadium today enjoyed their team getting an infamous result which will go down in world cup history against argentina uh the other game rich Nil this afternoon
0: yeah, Denmark and Tunisia drawing a blank in Al-Ryan and as we mentioned the 7pm start in Al-Wakra where France are 1-0 down to that Craig Goodwin goal uh, the Adelaide striker putting the Socceroos in front they've gone close again in mm. uh, the intervening minutes to making it 2-0 but it remains
1: uh, just the one goal between the sides Now make one more World Cup point and this is uh, oh, this is me. What we're here. this for. is <laughs> very important and after my anger yesterday I want to say something really positive right mm-hmm. look at the kick clash in, in this game France in their beautiful blue, white, and red. Australia wearing, uh, gold and green. It's after years of monochrome World Cups, yeah. enforced by I don't know whether it be FIFA or the uh, or the um, the clothing companies or what it is. FIFA. People England wore navy shorts the other day. Argentina wore their black shorts. The the I'm absolutely. I think that we we overlook colourblind issues when, when it comes to these things and we shouldn't and that, that's wrong but um, in this case it's like there isn't an issue here there's a predominantly uh, dark kit and for predominantly and th- teams are wearing the traditional kits again and actually do you know what I know it sounds stupid but I think that matters I don't think Germany wearing all white is right at all you know what I mean and they won the 2014 World Cup with you know shorts, yeah. yeah I don't know so anyway that's just a small thing but I think it's a positive thing get, and we don't have I too I many I you
0: here Apparently, uh, Spain are going to be made to wear all reds tomorrow. I don't know where that's coming from, but that's what I saw earlier on today. So that's going to ruin everything. <laughs> up,
2: until
1: now, up until now, has been a I'll be shaking my event. fist again tomorrow, Richie. Yeah, the praise is going to be
2: <laughs> short lived on this one. I was uh, reading Jan Vertongen's uh, comments a little earlier. He's been very critical about the fact that Belgium aren't being allowed, Richie, to wear their chain strip, which had love and which had rainbow colouring going down the piping yeah. on that white shirt. But the armband is back in the news again today
0: certainly is. The German Football Federation are considering legal action over FIFA's banning of the one-love captain's armand. Germany, England, Wales, Belgium and the Netherlands were among those looking to make the anti-discrimination gesture before FIFA told them that they could face sporting sanctions. In light of FIFA's decision, German supermarket chain Reva have ended their 14-year sponsorship of the German side. Their CEO claims today that FIFA holds a scandalous attitude towards diversity.
2: Richie's old mate, Adrian Rabiot, has been pretty key to this goal, which has been scored by France. It's a corner that gets headed back out, and France then work it back over onto the left wing. It's crossed in, headed home, and France are level. Goal apiece. Mick?
1: Yeah, it's definitely not offside. No, no, it's a good goal, actually. Um, Slightly high line from Australia, but yeah, one all. uh. Yeah, I did. T- I did think we were a little bit premature talking about another possible shock today, but uh, that that that, those, uh, that that Australian defense <laughs> up against uh, Dembele, Giroud, Griezmann, and a certain. Mbappe is going to have a few problems.
2: Adrian Rabiot-Header is probably not the way you would have expected to concede <laughs> in that circumstance with all the attacking talent that's on the pitch. But Rabio and indeed Deschamps on the sideline heading the ball into the net, one apiece between France and Australia. Um, Dublin GA have got planning permission for a centre of excellence, Richie.
0: Yeah, granted planning permission for a new centre of excellence on the grounds of the former Hollystown golf course. They'll be allowed to put in four floodlit pitches, one of which will be all-weather. The old clubhouse is to see its ground floor renovated to include dressing rooms with offices and meeting facilities on the first floor there and a new extension will also be added to the clubhouse and the total cost of the the project even is set to reach 6.6 million euro.
2: Interesting. As you'll be aware this said Richie is the host of Rugby Daily, which you can get in our rugby podcast feed every day. And you've got some team news ahead of the weekend.
0: Loads of it, yeah. Mack Hansen is likely to miss Connacht's URC Derby with Munster on Saturday. The winger is nursing a thigh injury sustained in Ireland's win over Australia at the weekend. Bundiaki, Finlay Beelam and Cian Prendergast will all be in contention for that Thurman Park trip, having returned from Ireland duty injury-free. Centre Shane Bolton could also make a first appearance of the season following pectoral surgery, but Tiernan O'Halloran and Sean Masterson miss out with respect of hip and Achilles injuries. Munster remain hopeful that Joey Carberry can play some part in that Connacht game, at half, observing the return to play protocol still after suffering a head injury against Fiji. But Munster hope he'll be back training fully by the week's end. Antoine Frisch will also return to full training this week with a scan revealing his tie problem ain't as bad as first feared. Keith Earls, Jean Klein, and Liam Coombs are also back in the running to play on Saturday night. Keenan Knox, though, will miss that game at Thomas Park due to a
2: need. And Richie, before we let you go, PMount United and Onyo Gorman have parted ways as well.
0: Yeah, p announcing that the Republic of Ireland International is leaving the club after winning two Women's National League titles during her five years with P-Mount. It is rumoured that O'Gorman could be joining the recently reinstated Shamrock Rovers on their return to the Women's National League next season.
2: Alright, couple of texts uh, before we wrap up the news round from John in Dublin. Shirley, Roger, me an unattached in USA 94, aged at least 42. That is a very good show for our unattached players at the World Cup. And also Paul in Cork, Cristiano Jr. will surely State United's Academy yeah Wayne Rooney's kid is there too will Cristiano now decide Cristiano Junior you're coming wherever I go (laughs) welcome to Sporting he's not saying at Manchester United no I don't think Nick thanks a million Richie thanks as well